Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the Soundtrack to a Life. I'm a dealer with an infinite tab, a gentleman in some of the sense. She acts like I'm ripping off scams. No wonder she has no friends at all. She's a lost cause, so count your losses. Hello, and welcome back. This is the Soundtrack to a Life. I am Chris. VB is still here with me. Say hi, VB! Hey, I'm Victoria Banner. That's what VB stands for. And only my friends of 14 years call me VB, and I'm completely fine with that. <laughs> Did you sour on that nickname? Because I can stop using it. No, I didn't sour on the nickname. I just haven't heard it in forever, and it's quite funny, and that caught me off guard. <laughs> Fair enough. I do the same thing when people call me Munzee. <laughs> In spite of the fact that my uh, non-this-show Twitter handle is definitely still Munzee. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, no, I definitely refer to you as Munzee still, so that's pretty That's pretty neat. Yeah. And uh, the two of us are here today discussing the Growler's 2014 album, Chinese Fountain. Victoria, what made you choose this album? What's your relationship with it like? I absolutely love this album. This is one that I never tire on. It's just a favorite sound of mine. It's beach goth. And that's kind of a thing that's taking off as of recently, which is very synthy, very lo-fi, and very beachy vibes. So it's like Jimmy Buffett for millennials is the best way to describe it, is when you're too sad to have a cheeseburger in paradise, you can just kill yourself in paradise, I guess. Solid. <laughs> yeah. Solid. And uh, I listened to it, and I had no expectations going in. And then partway through the second or third song, I realized, this is hipster nonsense from 2005. Yep. I love hipster nonsense from 2005. Yes, indeed. And I was not aware that new bands were still making music that played in this playground. There's tons of bands that still do it. I will continue to be a nonsensical hipster from 2005. I will probably drink craft beer out of mason jars for the rest of my life. I will probably tattoo dumb stuff to myself and think it's funny for the rest of my life. And people are, it's going to get really out of style. And people are going to be like, are you still doing that? And I'm going to be the equivalent of one of those like 80 year old men that hang out at the McDonald's coffee that still looks like a greaser. Like that's going to be me. I know that I got frozen in 2005. <sighs> I think that happens to us all, he said, <laughs> while wearing baggy cargo pants, a shirt with a band that he recently saw on it, an unbuttoned short-sleeved shirt, and an actual soul patch <laughs> in 2018. <laughs> it is an authentic soul patch. Not even the stick-on variety you get out of bubblegum machines. Nope. At my favorite hipster bars. <laughs> That's just how faces look when I close my eye. <laughs> and I never stopped doing it. And yeah, no, I think this is... Uh, terrific way forward for that style of music. I think that if this had come out in 2005, when bands like uh, Franz Ferdinand or Block Party or The Killers were making radio music, this would have really bought all of the people in this band very nice houses. Definitely. That's that like post-punk, that sub-pop post-punk revival sound that was really <sighs> championed by like Postal Service, Killers, and Hot Hot Heat and everything like that. They're still doing it, and I will gobble it up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, they're doing it. Are they still doing it, or are they doing it again? Like, this is a fairly new band. 
I think it just stayed the whole time because I've always been able to find a band that has this kind of sound to it. Because I'd say that I started listening to maybe like 2005 would have been like Postal Service and Modest Mouse. 2007 would have been Arcade Fire and everything like that. Yep. And so if you kind of follow up that stream, it got to what was probably maybe like 2010 was uh, those Obama era. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. One, Obama era one hit wonders. That was like that, and that would be like, uh, I don't know, like stuff like Born Ruffians, and like yep, everything yep. that they play on like X929. Whoever did Sweater Simples. Weather. Yeah, Sweater Weather, those guys. Uh, great and song. MGMT. I didn't respect enough to learn the band's <laughs> name, apparently. Yeah, but you like those songs, exactly. So that sound's always kind of stuck around, but I think it only like was on stadium tours, um, probably, yeah, 2005 to 2008. Yeah, one band like this gets to have one really big radio song mm -hmm. a year and usually not the same one twice yeah that's a really good point there's still room for indie rock on the mainstream charts but not room for very much yeah not room for very much which is hilarious because i love going to indie rock music festivals where all those bands that had the biggest song of last summer are now in slightly smaller font and they have less security, so you could be seeing the main stage, but you could be bumping and grinding up against whoever had last song's main or last summer's main stage. You're like, oh, I loved your song. It was so great. Yeah. There's Thanks, that. Portugal. Yeah, Portugal. The, the man. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like also, be... warning to bands: if you put punctuation in your band name, I will pronounce it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you will be a. Oh, you should check out my boyfriend's band, Thirty Six. Question mark? I did check out your boyfriend's band, 36. <laughs> they were charming as heck. Aw, good to hear, good to hear. They're cropping up on my Facebook for a thing that I may or may not show up at, but they're second on the bill, so we'll probably get there after they've played stupid work. <laughs> they do lots around town, so don't worry, you've not missed that train. Speaking of hanging out with people in bands, yeah, I'm very convinced that you'll be able to hang out with Portugal the man next summer when they're in town. Just tweet at them and be like, what's up? You want to get a beer? They'll be like, yes. That sounds great. You want to, you'd be like, it's out of a mason jar. They're like, 100%. Those guys frequently have the best attitude to the fact that they were very briefly famous. I'm going to see, um, I will have seen, is what I meant, because of when this airs. Uh, yes. Electric Six. Yeah! Uh, in, I want to say, a week for the third time because they're fun, and also you can see them at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> There's some dance metal, you guys, if you enjoy it. Yep, I saw a Yukon Blonde in a parking lot once for real. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a fun venue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so lots and lots of fun. Yeah, no, this is what happens, it feels like, when the kids who were in, like, junior high, high school, when the Strokes put out their first record, start growing up and then forming bands. Yeah. Which this is the time in which that will be happening. So that makes sense to me. I think that the Growlers are a little older than that. Like they're are all they? a bunch of Yeah, they're all a bunch of skate punks, but I think they're in their mid thirties. Are they in their mid thirties by now? Yeah, I think they're in their mid thirties. Alright, alright. So they're just yeah, a bunch of skate punks that like jam together. I actually got to interview them for a magazine once. And they, yeah, all seem to be settling down at points in their lives. Mm. And they like to get together and the dudes all write the music ahead of time. And then they just hand it off to the lead singer guy and he just comes up with some lyrics. That checks out. Yeah. I'm always of two minds about, um, and I shouldn't be because it's just whatever version works for individual bands on a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. Whether I like lyrics first bands 
or Lyric's last band. Oh, I think these guys are definitely a Lyric's first band. Yeah, and they are. The Lyric's are very small and specific in a way that makes them sound very personal. Mm-hmm. Even in cases, he's obviously not sharing a story with me. We've never met. But yeah. it feels like he is. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Is just piece by piece, every little kind of thing is kind of quotable and kind of sounds nice. In a very short burst. Yeah. Worry's a bully that just won't let me be, trying to keep me busy, tussling and struggling, is a great line. Yeah. <laughs> there are a bunch of great lines here. It's very much in the spirit of the Kinks or early Bell and Sebastian. Yeah, just like really kind of articulating those lost generation emotions and stuff and really hammering in on that um, everyone's sad and no one can afford property kind of sound. Right? <laughs> Very no materialism and stuff. You think about like 80s songs. We're gonna buy a jet ski! I mean, they bought a lot of jet skis. Enough to tank the economy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's what I feel like all the post-punk music sings about. Is very much being like, oh, this is unfun. Yeah, I don't know that post-punk as a genre works when we're not in the middle of a serious and long-form economic depression. Like, the you need a large number of disaffected people wondering whether they have a future or not. Yeah, I think that's, that's a really good way of putting it. Yeah, there's not a lot of a genre for just warbling, and it's so funny because that's the kind of stuff that my mom has, like, my mom has had four kids, and we've put her through every single genre of music, and she's heard, like, Eminem, and she's heard metal, and we've tried to get her with every single genre of music. And the thing that is the worst is any goth music. Anytime she hears Interpol, she's like, turn it off. She hates it. She's like, she always goes to me, these people sound mentally ill, Victoria. <laughs> <laughs> these people sound mentally ill. And then my brother can walk in with like Kendrick being like, <laughs> and she has no problem with swear words or anything like that. But as soon as there's some post-punk warbling going on, she's just like, no. Oh, man. Yeah. So your mom did not get deeply into the cure. No, not in her youth. not deeply into the cure in her youth or anything like that. Yeah, she was definitely more in the kiss era of being able to afford things. Ooh, that must have been nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're gonna rock and roll all night, cause beer costs fifty cents. Oh. I'm gonna rock and roll all night, cause cocaine doesn't put me on the streets. Oh man, I feel like the cocaine is still free if you're a rock star. I think so. I think so. But you could have more friends do it with you. Like when all your friends were cruising around with top-down cars and big cell phones, like they could do cocaine with you. Like, That's true. There was more people that were ready to, to, to do that kind of thing. And now it's like your friends do cocaine and you're like, oh, you're not allowed to sleep on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the label should be paying for that shit. Should be paying That's for it. that shit. <laughs> Otherwise, why label? It's a very good point. Yeah, just for self-produce at that. Yeah. Record labels have two jobs. One, continue funding you for, like, three unsuccessful albums because one of the A&R men likes you on a personal level <laughs> and is cool to funnel you some of U2's money. <laughs> Two, pay for the cocaine. You're a fucking record label. Do your job. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our little brief history on post-punk. Actually, no, I'm going to do one more because it's a podcast and it's funny, and so you guys will laugh at this because you liked this tweet where it said the difference between punk and post-punk. 
if you remember this one. Yep. Uh, the difference between punk and post-punk, when I try and explain it to people, is that punk rock was really like, yeah, we're going to fight the man. Don't let the man keep you down. We're going to fight the man. We are going to fight that man. We're going to fight him. Fight him. And then post-punk is, oh, well, that man, real hard to beat. He's real good at his job. Real good at his job. Oh, we tried. Then still don't like the man, but you know... He's, he's doing a good job running things, I guess. Yeah, and if you at home think that that's an unfair assessment, go home and then listen to The Clash's debut and then Joy Division's debut. You'll get it. Exactly. <laughs> and so how this differentiates, and this is why I love The Growlers so much, is uh, how they differentiate from The Clash and from Joy Division, is they were like, let's put some surf guitar into Joy Division. Yeah, I'm super into it, by the way. <laughs> like... This is a very American version of the Franz Ferdinand block party killers kind of vibe. And yeah, yeah, I'm aware that the killers were also American, but in a more important way. No, they're not. Yeah, they were Um, really musically, And they did fake accents and everything. Which is great. I'm on board. You're my favorite synth band from 1984. (laughs) (laughs) American too, because they put in the surf guitar... And then Brooks Nielsen is just doing a Bob Dylan impression. Yeah, like it's surf rock, some light funk, and then the soundtrack to a spaghetti western that hasn't been made yet. Yes! Oh, so true. I uh, spent a good portion of this record thinking about how these guys would have done in different eras of music. Mm. Because they're weird enough that it almost becomes timeless. Yeah. They're kind of unhinged from pop. I have, here, hold on, i got a list. In 1961, the Growlers would have had radio hits right up until the Beatles happened, and then they'd have been just obliterated by that. Yeah. In 1968, they'd have played the cooler clubs that you needed a friend to tell you about, released three unsuccessful albums, and then every single person who bought one of those albums would later form a band. In 1975, they'd have been paired up with a big-ticket producer, cleaned up their sound to the point where it sparkled, sold 40 million albums, and toured the largest venues in the world before collapsing under the weight of acrimony and substance abuse. In 1985, they'd have co-headlined a tour with R.E.M., had a handful of college radio hits, and be one of those bands, Hipsterer Than Thou, hipsters referenced having seen play without having seen play, in order to establish their cred. In 1992 in America, they'd have had one big radio hit because record labels did not know what to put on the radio after Nirvana. That is true. And they were basically willing to try Try anything. anything. In 1994, they'd have flown to the UK and had a number of minor hits and been critically well regarded until Britpop imploded two years later under the weight of Oasis's acrimony and substance abuse. In 1999, they'd have been one of those bands that were everywhere. Because people wanted music that was very happy without knowing specifically what. They'd have been in every commercial and every movie soundtrack. And we would hate them. Yeah, it would have been like that James Laid kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was just everywhere. Yeah. Or that 18 months where um, you were, by law, required to like All Star (laughs) by Smash Mouth. (laughs) Required by law. Welcome to 1999. You'll be spending the last days of the millennium enjoying All-Star by Smash Mouth. (laughs) 
Oh. <laughs> takes a whiskey drink, he takes a vodka drink. Fantastic. <laughs> That's Chumbawamba, but it was still in the same kind of... Also lovable. I like yeah. Chumbawamba. Yeah. And then anywhere past, like, 2003, they've had basically the career that they have right now. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a really good history of the imaginary time machine the of ima- the Growlers. Yeah. If the Growlers had access to a time machine and very little interest in using it to create a better world... <laughs> whenever they wanted. Yeah, I think it would have worked. Yeah. Like, there are parts of this that have, like, a Buddy Holly feel. Mm-hmm. Because Buddy Holly was the original indie hipster. Yeah. And is a lot more available in genres like this, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Yeah. But any point after that, these guys would have probably figured out a way to fit in. And I like that. I like that kind of... Um, it doesn't need context. You don't need a bunch of other people making the same sound as them to understand what kind of sound they're making. Yeah, and I think they would do worse if everybody sounded like this. Yeah, which is funny because they actually founded the Sound of Beach Poth right at a beach, uh, beach goth festival where a bunch of bands now all sound like them. So you can check out Beach Fossils and Surf Curse. <laughs> nice. Yeah, exactly. Beach so. goth is a genre of music that I am here for. <laughs> Not just because of the episode of Portlandia with Danzig. Oh, I didn't see that one. Danzig teaches the goth characters how to be beach ready. <laughs> having traveled the world and learning the secrets from people who feel natural on the beach. <laughs> I will definitely have to check that out. I completely lost track of Portlandia once um, I ran out of it on Netflix and I forgot that it's still going. Yeah, that was approximately my experience with Portlandia. But you should check out Fred Omison's Stand Up for Drummers. Nice. Did you see it? No, I have not. Oh my goodness. He just does pretty much this podcast, but better because it's Fred Omison doing stand up. And uh, he makes people play a drum riff before they got into the thing. So they had to be music fans. And he just does a bunch of sketches for music fans. And it's incredible. So. Yeah, I'm super into it. That seems like it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, you'd like it a lot. All right, I'm going to check it out. He's good in everything. I don't know why I don't just set up an alert for every time he does something new. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can't think of a single thing that he's ever done that I did not enjoy. That's a very good point. Do they still do a music festival, or did they do a music festival? I'm not sure if it's still going on, but I know that they did do a music festival, and I think they still do it because they're pretty ingrained in California and, like, wherever they live. I think it's, like, Los Angeles or something like that, so it's very easy for them to do it. That checks out. And, Yeah. yeah, I have to assume that these guys are from L.A. They feel like a band who could not exist outside of L.A.? There's a band in Calgary, Port Juvie. Oh, yeah? That makes that same kind of sound. And they're miles away from the beach. They're completely landlocked, but they definitely have that sound for sure. So they can also exist in Broken City. (laughs) All right, all right. right. That's true. Most things can exist in Broken City. That place really provides its own ecosystem. It does. It really does. Oh, you gotta like places like that. Yeah. Ones that uh, bring their own. <laughs> now, do you know off the top of your head how long these guys have been going? Like, this is from 2014. Uh, um, they've done work since, obviously. I can't remember. I know that I interviewed him, and I can't remember. I know that they've been friends forever, and I think they skateboarded together, but I think they're, like, relatively new to being a band. But I can't 100% guarantee that, so. Fair enough. And they're uh, definitely working. Yes, definitely working uh, for sure. Music is going to hit the next thing. Mm-hmm. I say this on several episodes, only because 
it becomes more true as time goes by. But this feels like a period in which Radio Pop is changing into something. Yeah. All of our old radio pop stars are crashing and burning a little bit. So you need some more, like, wholesome people. Possibly. Or more debauched people. Ooh, Whatever. Just new people. Just new people. Here's the thing. Yeah. Pitbull can't fly around the world forever. <laughs> Eventually he's going to want to settle down somewhere. Probably in Miami. Mm -hmm. Possibly in Cuba. But that's where Those are the two in. main places Pitbull goes, yeah? I think that is... Yeah, he's only Miami. is that, that kind of thing. But, like... They're so far removed from radio. There's, like, so many different kinds of radio right now that you can't say that Pitbull's radio without saying that, like, Garth Brooks' is radio without saying that uh, yeah. Vance Joy is radio. But, I mean, in terms of big-ticket top 40, it is Club Jams and Katy Perry and T-Swift and Justin Timberlake. And it's going to stay that way. You figure? Because all, I... all three of the people who I mentioned's last album tanked. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Then... Like, the T-Swift one did all right. Yeah. But there is a backlash going on. Yeah. The Justin Timberlake one. So you are talking about Top 40. Then. Yeah. I do think that it is Vance Joy and all of those. Top 40, what I like to call is uh, White Girl Kibbles. And if you can put in lyrics that make white girls feel so special based on how pretty they are and not have any skills, that is how you write a Top 40 radio hit. And that is coming out of indie music right now. And that's why I can't listen to alternative radio anymore, because alternative is now the mainstream. When you have Vance Joy, who came out with Riptide a few years back, where the lyrics were like, you're going to sing the words wrong, right? That's for every Instagram model dating a guitar player, and they got in a fight over the fact that she doesn't listen to any music other than Pitbull. Oh. And then he's like, well, I love you anyway, babe. Right? And she's like, that's me. I've sang the words wrong all the time because I don't give a shit about your shitty bands. But you still love me because I'm pretty. Oh. Right? That is heartwarming. Exactly. Yeah. And then the other one. What's the other one? Uh, Shut up and dance with me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the one where it's like, I don't have to be nice. You, you can't handle me at my worst because I'm at my best. Shut up and dance with me. Oh, God right? damn it. So anything. What was another one? Oh, there was that one where it's like, my house in Budapest. I'll give away all my treasures for you. Yep. You don't have to give away your treasures. I'll still love you even if you're rich. Oh, <laughs> that's what so. real love is. I liked Shut Up and Dance With Me. Yeah. Oh, same deal as me. I liked Walk the Moon and Anna Sun. Don't know if I liked that song. Yeah. And it's definitely the correct call that they didn't get a second song. Mm -hmm. But that woman in the video oh. was given it. <laughs> like, I was watching the video for the first time, and she's nailing it. Yeah. Like, she's a much better dancer than, the than that song of. either requires or deserves. <laughs> oh, there you and go. I'm watching it going, this band is a B minus, but that woman needs to EGOT. <laughs> Like, if she doesn't get work based on her being in this video, yeah. then there is Crime not justice happening. in this world <laughs> in any way that I understand it. I would heartily recommend you YouTube it. Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. So, I could see the Growlers taking that top 40 indie radio spot, because you want to know what all of their songs are about? Their songs are all about love, Every and song. they love love, and I know that they, um, the lead singer guy's married, and Aww. he had a baby, Aww. and he loves his love, and so he puts that in his songs, and so I think if a white girl at the Ship and Anchor patio who wants to be more Ship and Anchor, but doesn't want to put in the effort to being more sh cultured, if you fed her the song, like, oh, tons of, I can't remember what's on that album and what's on their other albums, but... 
if you fed her the song where it's like someday and it's like talking about how when troubles turn into champagne and bologna turns into steak so like once i'm rich enough to marry you we're gonna get married oh they would eat it up they would oh, eat it up that for does, sure that or, does uh another one like one million lovers but none have swung with one like her where you're like, oh, that's like basically saying, I'll never cheat on you, babe. And if you put any lyrics about never cheating into the thing, then you just trigger all of the people who have that weird cheating phobia. Yeah, yeah. And then they're like, oh, I need this song because if I love this song, then no one will ever cheat on me. <laughs> Songs like that are weird to me. Yeah. Here's the thing. If somebody said to me, I will never cheat on you, my response would be, you sound like it is very me. suspicious that you're bringing that up on Bitten. <laughs> that feels like a really specific protestation of love that I did not ask you for. So now I'm wondering. It's so funny because yeah, I'm in a I'm in a new relationship right now, and I usually I'm like, oh, time to have open relationships and no sexual boundaries or anything like that, right? And then I feel like I'm in the first actually kind of closed relationship of my life that doesn't feel trapped to me. And it's not because I was like, time to talk about the boundaries of relationship and close close our relationship as much as it's like, I don't want to hang out with anyone other than you. Like, yeah, just I don't want to hang out with anyone else is the easiest way to say it as opposed to, here's the list of all the ways that is cheating and please don't do that. So yeah, that was uh, what I've learned about myself over the course of my life. Yeah. Was like, even the time that I'm coming out of a bad breakup and go, I'm just going to be a total whore and have casual sex for several months while I get my head together. Yeah. And then like nine months later, I've been having casual sex, but with the same person. Yeah, exactly. Exclusively for nine months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good, that's a good way to describe it. And so I'm still, and it's nothing against people that are in open relationships or anything like that, because I definitely think that it is a way to kind of explore your way through like the millennial dating world and everything like yeah. that nothing against people in together relationships or anything like that but i think that um it's a lot less you get to decide in the same way of as a stand-up comedian or as a musician a lot of people think that they get to decide how their character on stage is going to be and you don't get to decide that that's yeah. up to the audience yeah and i think that you're not allowed to make hard fast decisions about your relationship until the audience has responded appropriately, but which the audience in this case, the other person, or the other person are you living or the very situation. out loud? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, All right, guys, round of applause if you guys think I should date this guy. Yeah. Hold on, Twitter poll, Twitter. monogamy. <laughs> Twitter poll. Yes. Yes. No. no, I'll come back to you in a week. Yeah, exactly. Which I've used Twitter polls to decide some very stupid things. Apparently, I have to start using cookie dough to bake cookies. Now? What? Twitter said no. I can't just eat it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was really confident that everyone was on my side in this issue that while I was arguing with dough? Chelsea. Oh, no. <laughs> I put some cookie dough in the fridge if you want to bake cookies. I'm just going to eat it like a person. <laughs> oh, no. You can only do it while you're baking cookies. You can't just eat the cookie dough. You do have to bake it. <sighs> Hard disagree. <laughs> Raw cookie dough is better in addition to being easier. It is easier, and it does taste good, but it's too hedonistic. Hard disagree. <laughs> oh, this is so great. Okay, now, not, well, now I need to know... Not technically a millennial. <laughs> I'm of the generation where we reacted to hopelessness with hedonism. Oh, okay, okay. I uh, had a bit about how I'm not technically a millennial. I'm Generation X, which if you need a good visual... Just picture a millennial who gets, like, really tired. 
<laughs> and then they're done. Uh, in my defense, my generation's baby boomers were 20 years younger than the baby boomers you have to deal with. <laughs> they had a little bit of remembering what... It was kind of a lot. It was kind yeah. of a lot to handle. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually we just cashed in and went, all right, well, I guess that's just the world. That is how the world works. <laughs> oh, man. So funny. So your hard line on cookie dough. I believe that men and women... I believe that men and women are completely equal... I believe that uh, women can do anything men can do, men can do anything that women can do, but I also 100% believe that men and women will never agree on what the fuck you're supposed to do with decorative candles. Light them? No! You can't light decorative candles. If it's a candle, and it's a really nice, like if it's a cat or something like that, like a cool cat candle, Yeah. and it's like, it's pretty much just a wax sculpture with a wick in it. Sounds just (laughs) terrible. (laughs) And all women are like, you can't light those. Those are special candles. We've had them for 40 years. They're special candles. And guys just come along into girls' apartments and light all their fucking special candles. Okay, first of all, (laughs) not okay. (laughs) I believe that candles are meant to be lit, uh, obviously. Yeah. However, I'm not going to come into your place and set your shit on fire. (laughs) That's your candle. You light it at your pace. It is true. It's not it's not a first thing, but it's definitely a relationship mistake that people make. Like people move in together and then the guy's like, ooh, sexy candle time. The girl looks over and her like family heirloom is on fire. She's like, no. Why would that be an heirloom? <laughs> I have heirloom family candles. Oh my god. Come on at Christmas. There's like one that's a stocking. <laughs> no, you get if you want like sexy candle time, you Get some regular candles, and then you put them in a wine bottle, and now your room is romantic, like a dorm. <laughs> Fire has. I go with <laughs> Also <lights>. like a dorm. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to make you feel young again, my darling. I've put <laughs> some candles in wine bottles, and I've decorated the ceiling of the apartment with Christmas lights for some reason. <laughs> As you can see, there's a poster of Klimt's The Kiss. <laughs> Poster of Ani DeFranco. DeFranco. No, oh. I'm making it look like her apartment. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Get that fucking Scarface shit down. <laughs> Sorry, I'm only imagining guys' too, apartments. Yes. Too many things that dudes like in their early 20s turns out to be embarrassing. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> I don't know. I think the funny thing is, is the amount of times people have attempted to romanticize the dorm room for me, and guys think that the tea light is going to up their thing, and they'll perch a tea light on top of a pizza box. Perfect. And be like, she, she's got this. Reservoir dogs, tea lights, sexy music. Let's do it. That sounds... Do you want a massage? My roommate's playing Rainbow Six. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, like, at that point, maybe don't romanticize things? No, they think that women only want romance. They're like, here's two chocolates. We can clear a space off the couch. Yeah. Please have sex with me. No, just like on your way in. Yeah. Uh, put your key in the lock. Turn to the person. Please don't judge how I live. <laughs> <laughs> and then your regular apartment that has been cleaned. Ooh, if you get that's judged, so romantic. If you get judged for how you live, you gave the caveat. Live differently, <laughs> or find someone who's cool with it. If not, you have given forward an honest presentation of yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Or Google, how do I make my shitty apartment look romantic for a half hour? Ooh, that probably is a good article that needs to be written. I have to assume it exists. I think so. Set decking your apartment. Make it 
uh, fuck pad in 20 or less. Yeah, they did, uh, what was it? I think it was Comedy or Die. Did you see these? Uh, I don't think so. They did a special on Sad Boy House. I'll have um, to check that out. Where they uh, came in. How to fix your home in literally one weekend with very little effort. <laughs> and they cut to people who'd enjoy it. I took my Scarface poster down, and then I put it in a frame. <laughs> and then I threw that frame away, and I bought some wall art from Value Village. Fancy. <laughs> uh, cut to another guy. My home is no longer uh, decorated with empty whiskey bottles. I drink the same amount, but now I'm not weirdly bragging about it. <laughs> Oh, so good. I know that weirdly bragging about it phase, for sure. I honestly think that's a form of alcoholism. Because I've had friends that are, like, legitimately, like, addicted to the substance. Yeah. And they're so good at keeping it low-key. And those are your friends who, like, are casually just polishing off bottles and bottles and bottles. And you would never know until you shake them and then, like, opiates fall, like, a bunch of pills fall out. And you're like, wow, you have a real big problem. That's someone who's chemically addicted. But you can have someone who's socially addicted, and that's someone who drinks, like, half a Mickey of uh, schnapps, and then pukes everywhere, and then you're like, that person is also a problem. Yeah. In a way that you have to... Address just as much as your friend who's legitimately chemically addicted to heroin. That's but... 100%. But yeah. the second thing you can get away with, yeah. to a certain age, because for a period in your 20s, you can just be a human disaster garbage fire yes and it's very quirky and neurotic and fun and then suddenly it stops being yeah you gotta really get out on that kind of tail end thing you gotta pick your time you guys yeah no we're recording this we're recording this in my day job so you can see that i have to start my day job in 45 minutes and so it's like the tail end of being like, oh, no, I wish I could stick it to the man a little bit more, but... So much rent. <laughs> so much rent. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I feel more punk rock not having to ask my parents for money. That's the most punk rock thing you can do. <laughs> and so if I have to get a job to do that, it's the next, it's the next level, but... Do I wish to fund someone outside my apartment? Like, if I saw, like, a kid on the street with, like... If I saw Crust Punks outside my apartment, I would throw money at them. Sure. Like... <laughs> Speaking of what is more or less punk rock, let's cut to a segment that I like to call, Is It Punk? Ooh. The Growlers. Ooh. Is it punk? Uh... It's... It's sassy. It's sassy, I think. Yeah. I don't... I don't think it's super punk, but it's not trying to be anything, and they can do whatever they want, and they're artsy enough that they're kind of disruptors. Yeah, and I'm always going back and forth about whether art school bands are punk. Yeah. Because you think of, like, the bands inspired by, like, The Clash or The Ramones or The Sex Pistols, but Talking Heads were punk. Yeah. They were playing at CBGB's in the late 70s when CBGB's was a thing. Mm -hmm. They have as much claim to it as anything. Blondie was punk. Yeah. Patty Smith it depends was whether punk. She showed up with an acoustic guitar and a book of poetry. It depends whether you think post-punk is punk. So I think that because they do whatever they want, they are. But I think that now that everybody kind of does it and it's pretty, it's pretty agreeable, they're not going to be causing any controversies or anything like that anytime soon. So they're more agreeable, which makes them more art school. I'll buy that. Yeah. And it is. They're doing something unexpected on the pop landscape. It's a 2005 
Strokes influenced post punk dance record. Yeah. Uh, with a 1997 Sebado pavement lead singer mixed way down in the mix. Yeah, no, I can definitely, I can definitely see what that is right there, and that's quite. They stick out, and I like everything that sticks out. But yeah, I feel like anything punk rock has to have a bit of an anger to it and a bit of an intent to it, and trying to cheese people off. I think I'm more punk than the Growlers because of the amount of arguments I get in per week. That checks out. <laughs> Whereas they have been content to plow their own furrow. Yeah. And wait for bands to follow their lead. Yeah, exactly. So. But we are getting to about that point where we wrap things up. So I guess I will answer three questions since I asked them last time. Yeah, I'll absolutely be listening to this record again. Yay! Going forward, it's real fucking good. It's in keeping with the kind of music that I enjoy and that I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. But a unique enough spin on it to make it very much their own. Similarly, I will be listening to uh, further material by these guys. Now that I know that a genre has spun up around them. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably... set you up with uh, some, good, some good finds. Nice, I'll be checking that out too. And then um, for closing us out this episode, we're mm-hmm. going to be going with Going Gets Tough. Oh, okay. Because that is a fun one that I really got a kick out of while I was listening to it, and I think that you guys will too, so we're throwing it in. This has been the Soundtrack to a Life. I have been Chris. Follow along with us on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast, SoundtrackCast.com. Like, subscribe, review, share, etc., etc. Victoria, your show has already happened. Yeah. By the time this comes out. Just follow me on Twitter. I love talking to people on Twitter. Who are you on Twitter? I'm at Defs, D-E-F-S, not Victoria. And then uh, say things at her. Do things that, yeah. About like music jokes. or jokes or... I write jokes about music frequently. Solid. There you go. Jokes about music. It's Wait, always very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great week, everybody. We will see you on the first. I work in the morning Up at the crack of dawn All my money worries Wherever I go, come along Worries a bully that just won't let me be Trying to keep me busy